0: Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And today's episode is a bit of a mashup. So what you're going to hear first is my review of the Barbie movie. I know lots of people are talking about the Barbie movie. I went and saw it the other day and recorded my thoughts to Instagram the next day because I wanted to talk about it while it was still fresh in my mind. And so that's the first thing you're going to hear is my review of the Barbie movie. Now, the audio on that is going to sound a little bit different than what you're used to on this podcast because it was a live stream, but it's still clear. You'll still be able to hear everything that I say, and so I hope it's really helpful to you as you try to discern whether or not you should see the movie, or take your kids to see it, or just you know what, you, what you're going to end up thinking about it in general. And then the next thing you're going to hear is a short video that I published to YouTube where I give my top ten. World worldview resources for kids. This is maybe the most popular question that I'm asked through my website. So I decided to just make a short video about it. And I'm also going to publish that audio here so that you can hear what my top 10 resources are. So without any further ado, here's my review of the Barbie movie. Hey everyone, today I'm going to be giving you my honest review of the Barbie movie. And we're going to be asking the question, does this movie offer female empowerment or toxic femininity. So I want to start by telling you that I am going to be giving some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to be surprised by the plot points, then maybe save this video till after you watch the movie, because I'm basically going to be telling you everything that happens in the movie, because I don't know how to give my honest review without going through it like that. So just to give a little background, I was actually pretty excited to see this movie. I actually felt pretty positive about it, despite some of the negative comments that I'd seen. I haven't watched anyone else's reviews, but I've seen some people saying, oh, this movie is woke or it's this or it's that. But I was kind of excited to see it after I saw the trailer because what it appeared to me they were gonna be doing is taking kind of that plastic, sanitized, one-dimensional Barbie and maybe bring in some depth. In the trailer, it shows her having a tear come down her eye. And I thought maybe this is going to be a cool way for them to show Barbie being freed from unrealistic beauty standards and maybe becoming more real. I think that might have been a cool way to go, but boy, was I wrong. There was a little bit of that in there. Um, But I did start to see a lot of negative comments from people who had watched the movie, and I thought, oh, maybe they're overreacting. So I still felt kind of positive about it. Uh, Then I was invited to talk about the movie on an upcoming podcast, on the Cross-Examined podcast, so be looking for that. We're going to be recording that next week, or actually... At the end of this week, and so be watching for that on the cross-examined podcast. It's going to be myself, Natasha Crane, Phoenix Hayes, uh, Hilary Ferrer, and Melissa Doherty, and we're going to be discussing the themes surrounding the Barbie movie, but I just wanted to give my personal review before that while it's fresh because I just watched it last night. So, first of all, the casting was great. I thought Margot Robbie played Barbie beautifully. She she played it with a lot of vulnerability, a lot of naivety and innocence. And then Ryan Gosling played Ken, of course, and he played him just so pouty. It was funny. And he delivered some really funny lines. And then uh, Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie was really great. And then America Ferreira as the sort of every woman. Uh, I thought everybody did a great job. The acting was great and really funny lines delivered and things like that. So let me give you a little synopsis of the movie, and then I'm going to give my thoughts, and then I'll open it up for questions if anybody has any. So the movie begins with Barbie waking up in Barbie land and everything is plastic and sanitized and perfect. She sits down to eat breakfast and there's nothing in the cups. Um, And pretty much all she has to do every day is take a fake shower, eat fake food, and go to the beach. And then there's like some kind of a party with all the Kens. And then it's girls' night in her Barbie house And that's pretty much what happens every single night. So on one of the nights, Ken wants to be with Barbie. He even asks if he can spend the night. And she's like, and do what? And he doesn't really know. And they don't really know what all that is about because they don't have reproductive organs or genitalia or anything like that. So it's sort of like they're really naive about all that stuff. And so one night at a party, they're all dancing and Barbie starts to contemplate how it's sort of the same day. They do the same thing every single day. And then she blurts out something like, has anybody ever thought about death? Do you think about dying? And there's this record scratch. The party comes to a halt and everybody's kind of short circuiting because she's asked this existential question about death. Well, she kind of recovers and the party goes back on but the next morning she wakes up and it's not so plastic and perfect her the milk she pours in her fake cup is spoiled the waffle gets burnt Uh, she wakes up with bad breath and so she begins to contemplate her own mortality she's having this existential crisis and then she steps out and her feet you know those barbie feet that are always sort of frozen in that heel shape her feet go flat and it's this really symbolic moment of everything changing. And so then she discovers some cellulite, okay? And so she's freaking out going, what is happening to my perfect world? My feet are flat, I have cellulite. So this is when she goes and sees Weird Barbie. Now, Weird Barbie is the Barbie we all had as kids where, you know, you draw on her face, you cut her hair and you, you experiment with stuff like that. And she's just been played with a little too hard. So in the movie, in Barbie land, she lives off by herself and her job is to sort of fix the other Barbies. And so she tells Barbie the only way to fix the flat feet and the cellulite is for Barbie to go into the real world. And so Barbie goes on this adventure to go into the real world. Now, when she encounters the real world, what she finds is that the, the I'm putting this in quotations because I think it's a horrible caricature of the real world, but the real world is dominated by these toxic men. It's all toxic masculinity. It's patriarchy. Women are all oppressed, but this is actually in the movie supposed to represent our reality. Right. And so she gets harassed by all these guys. She feels scared because all the men are out to, you know, commit violence against her and she becomes disillusioned. Now, Ken hitches a ride. So he's with her, by the way, I forgot to mention that. But Ken has a totally different experience. He discovers the patriarchy and he's like, this thing is awesome. Men rule with horses and he's all about the patriarchy. So he sneaks back to Barbie land And establishes a patriarchy at barbieland while barbie's in the real world now (laughs) so without giving the entire movie away um that's the gist right so then barbie goes back to barbieland discovers that all the men have taken over the girls houses and she's like what's happening and Ken's like, it's patriarchy. It's awesome. And so at Barbie land now under the patriarchy, all the other Barbies are just thrilled to serve the men and get them beers and do all these things. And Barbie's like, no, this isn't good. So she one by one convinces the Barbies to get back to being, you know, cause every Barbie's like the president or an astronaut or an executive or something like the high power politician. All the women are in charge in Barbie land. All the men are in charge in the real world. So after she convinces the women to get back on board, they, they trick the men into getting upset with each other and so the men go to war all the kens i know it sounds so ridiculous it is ridiculous all the men go to war with each other all the kens are warring with this song and dance number meanwhile the barbies vote back in the original leadership structure so all the barbies are back in charge and the men are sort of left out in the cold And so at the very end, and this is a big spoiler again, so if you don't want to know, don't watch, but Barbie decides she wants to be a real woman. And so she finds the inventor of the Barbie and asks how to do that. And the inventor says that I can't do that for you. You just have to feel deeply and it's your decision. You have to do that. So then Barbie like feels really deeply and opens her eyes and says yes. And all of a sudden she's a real woman. And the movie basically ends with her going into the real world and having her first gynecology appointment. I kid you not. This is the plot of the Barbie movie. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of things I actually liked about it, but most of it I did not like, and I'll share why. So, in a sense, I do think the movie communicates how Barbies, in general, potentially could do some damage to true femininity because not only is Barbie physically perfect, but it does send the message to little girls that they can do everything. You know, every Barbie is an astronaut or uh, a a movie star or some high-powered politician. And so I do agree with the movie that that does set an unrealistic standard for for little girls. But I got to be honest with you guys. I played with Barbies, not a ton. I wasn't a huge Barbie kid, but I played with Barbies a little bit. And I actually feel like the struggles that I've had in my life about body image and unrealistic beauty standards really came more from the magazines where I, what I thought were what real women looked like. I actually think that was more damaging than playing with a Barbie. I think I understood she was made of plastic and um, I could be wrong, could be fooling myself there, but I do get that. And I think that that's a decent point the movie could make. Um, They also, the movie, another thing I think potentially was accurate, although filled with hypocrisy, which I'll mention in a moment, is that the movie mentions the excesses of consumerism and well, and I don't agree with this, but it actually took a swipe at capitalism, but hey guys, you can hop over to Mattel and buy every Barbie from the movie, okay? So, I mean, that is so ironic and hilarious to me that the movie swipes at capitalism and consumerism and yet you can go buy, and the unrealistic beauty standards, but you can go purchase the perfect Barbie that's based on Margot Robbie from the movie. So just do it with that what you will. So yeah, you can buy all the perfect Barbies. And then there's an upcoming Barbie that they haven't revealed yet, at least I haven't seen, which I have a suspicion is going to be like plain Barbie, ordinary Barbie. Okay, now the stuff I didn't like and actually find incredibly concerning, okay? The overall message of the movie is that all men are innately evil. And I'm not talking about what we would discuss as Christians of us all having a sin nature. We're fallen. If you're in Christ, you're being sanctified every day. I'm not talking about that. In the movie, every single man has horrible motives. They want, they all want to oppress, abuse, and use women. There wasn't one character, not one male character that was good. The only one who wasn't just outright evil was the America Ferreras uh, character, her husband. But he was a complete idiot. He was kind of a buffoon. Silly, right? So everyone, every man. And here's what I was really contemplating last night. I think the reason there wasn't one good man in the movie is because Hollywood doesn't know what it is. Hollywood does not know what a good man is. Think about it. They have vilified masculinity, they have vilified male strength, they have vilified the male protective nature, they've vilified chivalry, they've vilified men providing for their families, uh male leadership. So what are they left with? If you vilify everything that makes a good man good, you're left with a useless buffoon. And that's what the movie gave us so hollywood can't give us a good male character because they have successfully disparaged manhood so that was an interesting thing i was contemplating the other concerning thing is america the america ferrer character goes on this monologue when she's convincing all the other barbies to come back and she and this is what I think is so deceptive because there's some truth in what she says. She goes on this monologue saying about how difficult it is to be a woman in our society. And I'm I, mean, I related with some of the things she said, she said, you know, you have to be thin, but not too thin, but you can't draw too much attention to yourself. Now I get that some of those standards are out there, but in the movie, that's all because of the patriarchy, not because of our sin nature. And that's the main theme in the movie is that everything that's wrong with the world is patriarchy. That's the original sin. That's the evil that's in the world. And if we can just overthrow the patriarchy, apparently all women's problems will be solved, right? And as she's giving this monologue, I mean, some of the things she said I thought were pretty stupid. And if any woman feels that she's got to do these things, then there's something really broken and fallen that she needs to be sanctified in, right? And so I I want to—it's very interesting because— toward the end of the movie it's all summed up when she's done with this monologue and she says what motivates women is she says you just tie yourselves in you tie yourself in knots so people will like you and that made me so sad because maybe that's the way it is in the world but the fallenness and the brokenness and the ugliness of that in that movie to me just shined light on the beauty of the gospel because the gospel is the answer to these things. I mean, I might even agree with some of the things that are the problems, but overthrowing the patriarchy is not the answer. Discovering the gospel is. And I want to just read from Genesis three sixteen, because when Barbie goes back to Barbie land and Ken has established the patriarchy, and it's this total caricature, by the way, even the real world and then Barbie land under patriarchy is this absolute caricature of what the Bible would be talking about with men being the leaders in their home, women submitting to men, them submitting to each other, it says, um, it's a result of the fall that, that and, and actually, I think, if you see it through that lens, you see the caricature of the patriarchy, that is the ultimate end of the fall, the curse. Um, Genesis 3.16 says, to the woman, he said, I shall, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And we see that played out in this caricature. And so, but the gospel is the answer. And that starts with human beings being made male and female in the image of God. But then you have this distortion, this fall that happens in Genesis 3, where the the man and the woman rebel against God, introducing sin and death into the world. And so everything that's wrong, that's out of balance with God's perfect design in creation, Uh, the answer to that is that things will be made right through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And as we trust in Jesus, then as men and women go on that journey of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit day by day and having our minds renewed by the word of God, then we work together better and get a little bit closer to being a pure reflection of that beautiful design that God had in the Garden of Eden when he created male and female. And so the, the, the third thing that really stood out to me about the movie in a really negative way, and this was actually quite appalling to me, is that there's no complementarity between the sexes at all. So in the movie, it begins with Barbie land. All the women are in charge. All the women are in all the positions of power and leadership. They, they are the inventors. They're the everything. And Ken's are an afterthought. Ken's are just hanging out on the beach. Nobody really knows why they're there because they're not. Well, I don't want to give away my next point yet, but they, you know, it's, there's no balance. So at the end I was so hoping, I was still holding out hope, that at the end, they would bring a little bit of redemption to where maybe men and women could work together. But no, there's no balance between the sexes, just the results of the fall. There's no complementarity, there's just enmity. And the movie ends that way. There's still only enmity between men and women. In fact, the narrator comes on the end and says, now that men have been put back in their place in Barbie land, she says, maybe one day they'll experience the same rights women have in the real world. But we've already seen their rendition of the real world where women have, well, they make it seem like women have no rights. And so the movie really ends that way by saying, well, the women are back in charge. Men need to be put in their place. And maybe almost in a revenge kind of narrative, maybe they'll get to experience the oppression that women have in the real world. What an absolutely sad disgusting and ugly ending. There's nothing beautiful about that. In fact, as I was watching the movie, this is the thing about the narratives that are out in culture that just attack the beauty of God's design. They're boring. I mean, think about movies that have the most emotional, emotionally compelling stories that keep you interested it's highlighting the nuances and the interesting dynamics between these things that God has created. Things like think about Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia. You have interesting characters. You have men who are noble and valiant and women who are strong and beautiful. And you don't have that in this movie. It's just like putting men in their place. Now, here's another thing with that point in Barbie land, there are no children. There are no families. So every decision that's made regarding what a woman is, what female identity is, what male identity is, all of that is completely separate from children and family. That's not even an informative factor in what you might think yourself to be or what you might want to do as a woman. And that to me is an all out assault on the creation mandate. Think about this, guys. If I'm the devil and I want to attack and undo the actual purpose for humans being on earth. I mean the Barbie movie is that assault. Now, it's not the only one. Uh it's just really a modern parable for feminism. It's just to try to turn a bunch of a, a new generation into feminists. That that's what my opinion is. But think about the the darker motivation of our enemy who would love to undo the creation mandate. I want to read that to you. This is from Genesis 1, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's why we are on this earth. That's our mandate. Well, I want to take a moment and tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is Good Ranchers. This is primarily all of the meat that we consume in our household comes from Good Ranchers. I love the high quality. I love that it's grass-fed, pastured beef, never having any antibiotics, never having any hormones, and it's grass-fed, not grain-fed, and that's the kind of meat that I look for in the store. But what I didn't realize before I started using Good Ranchers is that uh, the bulk of the grass-fed beef that we have here in America is coming from overseas. So I love that Good Ranchers is American grown and harvested. And with that high quality, that better than organic chicken, go to GoodRanchers.com and you can use my code, Alisa, to get $30 off your first box. And also, if you sign up this month, you're also going to lock in your price for a year. So definitely go to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code, Alisa, for $30 off your first box. That's GoodRanchers.com. Use my code, Alisa. And if I'm the devil, I'm going to do everything I can to undermine that. Well, how do you undermine that? You separate the family, which in Barbie land, there's no family. It's just girls night. Every night, Ken's are over here wondering what they're for, what their purpose even is. It's an all out assault on the creation mandate our job is to be fruitful and multiply it's to bear children it's to get married now of course i realize not every person's going to end up getting married not every woman is going to end up being a mother i get that but the design the creation the purpose is for us to do that when i speak to young people i try to get this point across to them by pointing out and i didn't think of this i got this from somewhere else i'm sure but think about this And I'm going to try to use this to highlight the beauty of the creation mandate that's completely non-existent in the Barbie movie. So number one, uh, I lost my train of thought here. What was I saying? Oh yeah, beauty. Okay. Think about this. You have a complete circulatory system. You have a complete nervous system. You have a complete cardiovascular system, but you only have one half of a reproductive system so without giving the full birds and the bees talk i hope you all know what that all is about barbie and ken don't but i think you do (laughs) it takes another person with the other half of that reproductive system to come together to make one complete reproductive system and what is the purpose of a reproductive system is to create new life is to create new uh human beings and both men and women have a role to play in that and that should tell us that we, we should get the picture from God's design of what he wants for the children. He wants children to have a mom and a dad. There are innate qualities that men and women have that when they come together, it is best for the child. And so, of course, marriage being instituted as a way to uh, unify that family unit. The two become one flesh, and that is a protective barrier for the children. It gives the children the most stable uh, environment to grow up in, it stabilizes society. But when you have the sexes at war with one another, like they are in the Barbie movie and are at the end, like that does not get redeemed. It only gets re-emphasized. Then you have no place for children, for family, and for the actual purpose that we're supposed to be here. So this is going to leave us empty and it's going to leave people who buy into this message empty. And I'm really sad that there's going to be young boys and even young girls who believe that what the Barbie movie represents the real world to be is real. They're going to see that. And they might even pick up little grains of truth. Like there have been a lot. Obviously, all the men have been presidents. Uh, We have a lot of male leadership. But they're going to see that and think, oh, well, that means that men being the head of the home is innately evil. That's the patriarchy. That's bad. That's bad for women. That's bad for everybody. Um, So I'm so sad that there's going to be young boys and young girls who see this movie and think that that's real, that that's the world they're living in, that every man is evil and every woman is oppressed. So I would just encourage all Christian parents that, you know, I, I wouldn't advise you to let your young kids see this movie. I think it's too confusing. Um, I think it's, it's going to be, it's emotionally compelling. There's great music in it. Uh, the song at the end is very emotionally compelling. And, and here's one more concern I have about the movie, and this is a big one. At the end, when Barbie decides to be a real woman, they ground gender in her feelings. And that, I think, might be the biggest move of the enemy in this whole movie, right? Because if you ground gender in your biology, as the Bible does, as Jesus reaffirmed when he quoted Genesis, male and female, he created them in his image. If you ground gender in your feelings, then that just sets the stage well of course they have to it's i mean it's hollywood right they're they're not going to ground Barbie's gender in her biology, but at the end, all she has to do to become a real woman is just feel like she's a real woman, and of course that sets the stage for all manner of confusion and so my concern is that. Not only does this movie do what it claims to be against, which is reinforce those unrealistic stereotypes. I mean, even the the wheelchair Barbie and the kind of plus-size Barbie are just adorable. And, you know, it it still does that. And then, of course, like, you can go buy the dolls that are perfect. So it's totally hypocritical, totally hypocritical. But it grounds gender in your feelings. And with the rapid-onset gender dysphoria that we see affecting so many young girls, I think this movie is going to accelerate that. If, if they're not discerning, if they don't have parents who are walking them through these things, and this is what I wanted to say to Christian parents, if your teenagers see this movie, I, I really wouldn't advise your younger kids seeing it, but if, you're, if your kids do see it, if your teenagers see it, talk about this stuff. Talk about it. Talk about how the movie is so anti-man. It, it is it's just anti-male from beginning to end. Like I mentioned in the beginning, all men are either evil or complete buffoons. And that's because Hollywood doesn't know what a good man is. Hollywood doesn't, they have vilified everything good about men. So all men are left with is being silly buffoons that don't know anything and just need a woman to tell them what to do. But that also hurts women. That It totally hurts women because God designed us to be mothers, to nurture and nurse and care for individuals that come out of our bodies. And that's a wonderful honor. But the movie makes it seem like that's either non-existent or that's just the patriarchy oppressing women. And that's such a lie from the pit of hell. And so when the movie grounds gender in feelings and presents being a female in the real world as being this oppressive, horrible, and abusive thing. I think it's going to accelerate that rapid onset gender dysphoria, because why? I mean, even Ken, Ken goes to the real world and he thinks the patriarchy is awesome because it works in his favor. Well, that sends a message to little girls. Oh, this world is irredeemable to be a woman in. Why not just become a man? That's what's happening with so much of this rapid onset gender dysphoria. So those are my basic thoughts on the movie. then the answer to everything at the end of the movie is to create an, what they call an ordinary Barbie. Um, and I suspect that might be the new Barbie they're going to announce is just, you know, plain Jane, ordinary Barbie. I don't think that's going to help anything. I don't think that's going to do anything because the root problem with men and with women and the competition between the sexes and the enmity between the sexes is not patriarchy. It's sin. And some of the stuff you see, I, I'm not saying that there aren't men who abuse women and there haven't been times in history where that's been pervasive, but that's a result of the fall. That's not a result of men being the heads of their homes. That's a result of a fallen version of that. And the answer is not to overthrow the patriarchy. The answer is the gospel. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this. This is just my unvarnished thoughts here about the little monologue that the America Ferrer character gave All of those things she said, I mean, most of them, I just wanted to be like, put on your big girl pants today, okay? And reject lies. You know, I have to do that. I've had massive struggles with unrealistic beauty standards. I've written about that in my books, especially in the book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. But I'm responsible to, you know, I can't just go blame somebody else because they gave me a message that was wrong. I'm responsible to align what I believe with reality and to speak truth into lies. That's what spiritual warfare is, by the way. It's speaking truth into lies, to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they pull down strongholds, um, and they all of those verses have to do with our thought life and believing lies. The devil is the father of lies, and he's really good at it. He's lived longer than any of us. He's smarter than any of us. He's a better illusionist than any of us. He's, he's a better scientist. He's probably even a better theologian than any of us. But Christ has overcome. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So we rest in him knowing he has overcome the world. So we can rest in his standard of truth, which is the word of God that we can renew our minds in every day and reject some of these lies and take responsibility for the ones we've believed. We all have to do that. We have to turn from those things in repentance toward Christ. And anyway, so that's my thoughts. And I'd love to see if you all have any questions. I see one question here. And, uh okay, so there's a question here from Dory Lee. She said there was a good man in the movie, Alan. So, yes, there is this Alan character who is Ken's best friend. And I don't remember there being an Alan doll, but I don't know if I agree that he was a good man because he was still, I mean, in the movie, the movie wanted you to think he was the good man, right? Um I, I didn't see it because he still was... Uh, capitulating to that male weakness. Now, there was a point when he did get in a fight to protect the Barbies. That was good. I liked that. I liked when Ellen did that. Um, But it still was so out of of balance. There just wasn't... uh, He was still kind of submissive to the women. And I just think that kills men. And it kills women. And it kills kids. And I mean that metaphorically. Nobody misunderstand me, okay? Um, All right, let me see if there are uh, any other... There was an Alan doll, but he wasn't very popular, my whimsical journey said. Here's another question. Um, So Reformed Furniture says Alan was Midge's husband. Midge was the Barbie that had a removable baby belly so she could be pregnant. Was she in the movie? Yes, she was in the movie, but they kind of made it seem like she was kind of weird. Like a pregnant Barbie is just weird. So they discontinued her, but she is in Barbie land, but kind of like this weird thing that should never have happened so i didn't they did not do in the movie though you don't know that alan is her husband because there was no family. make no mistake there was no family no family or children in the movie even the pregnant barbie was kind of the weird discontinued barbie like who would want that okay another question here um la Les, sirena james says i'm curious about your thoughts about biblical patriarchy god's design is women to be helpmate but are you saying flipping on his head is a result of the fall being patriarchy okay not exactly let me let me expound on that thank you for that question i would like to clarify that i believe that what the scripture teaches is that um m- women being uh I want to be I want to choose my words really car- women submitting to their husbands is not a result of the fall that precedes the fall that's part of god's design that's what i believe the scriptures are teaching my friend mike winger has done a great video on that i agree with what his conclusions are on that i do not believe now i have faithful brothers and sisters in christ who disagree with me on this i'm not going to divide with you over that who who believe that women submitting to their husbands is a result of the fall that is not my view so in that sense i'm probably used patriarchy in two different ways let me explain if you read the Old Testament, it's all the patriarchs, right? Now, the word patriarchy just means rule of fathers. Pater is father. archy is rule. So it's rule of fathers. And I don't believe that that's innately evil. I think that's something that God designed, uh, that God set up. I think hierarchy is beautiful. I think it brings order. I think the scripture testifies of that from Genesis to Revelation. And so uh, in a biblical sense now... There may be people using the phrase biblical patriarchy to mean something different than what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is just the word in and of itself conveys nothing evil. It actually conveys a ordered leadership that God instituted. Um, Now, when Eve was created as a helpmate, that word, uh, when it's translated from the Hebrew, it's actually a word that God uses to describe his own self 16 times in the Old Testament. So it does not, in my view, connotate anything less valuable or uh, something of lower value or something like that. It's actually something as a word God uses to describe what he does with us as well. So I think that's a high level of honor. Uh, but when, the, when we talk about the patriarchy, there can be a, like a toxic version of that that is a result of the fall. And I think we see that when uh, God said, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. I think that's a result of the fall. Uh, that for for the woman, her attempts to—I I, I don't, I don't want to misuse my words here. Her She's going to attempt to be that helpmate, but that desire is going to be frustrated as a result of the fall. And the male, his godly headship— is going to want to, because of his sin nature, turn into a sort of dominance and uh, domineering type of rule. And that is a result of the fall. But fathers being the heads of their home, wives and husbands submitting to one another, wives submitting to their husbands, when everybody is doing what God has called them to do, then what we see as a result is something very beautiful. And that still is going to be hierarchical in my view. Uh, so no, the, the patriarchy in the biblical sense, in my view, is not a result of the fall, but maybe what people are referring to as patriarchy now, where we see some of those more sinful patterns that can be, um, that enmity between the sexes and the competition between the sexes. I do think that's a result of the fall. I hope that makes sense. All right, let me take a look and see some other questions here. Uh, love boldly three sixteen says, would love to hear your thoughts on this, This trans community trying to represent God as a woman, mother, God. Well, this is something that we've seen in progressive Christianity quite often. And frankly, my view on this is very simple. There's a group of people that want us to respect people's pronouns. Well, God's pronoun for himself is male that's the pronoun God has chosen. Now, God, of course, doesn't have a gender. He he is not a gendered being. He doesn't have a physical body with genitalia, so he doesn't have a gender. But the primary way that he wants us to relate with him is as father. Even Jesus related with the father and called him father, right? And then you have the son. That's a male. And uh, sometimes people will say, well, the Holy Spirit's female because of the, the word. I actually did a podcast on this with Clark Bates. You can go back into the archives about is God a woman or something like that. And what you have to understand with those ancient languages is just because the uh, the word, the, I think it's the article, I'm probably gonna get this wrong, go back and listen to the podcast, but it's kind of like in Spanish. So some of you speak Spanish and there's a feminine word, but it's a, it doesn't mean that the thing is female. Like the word casa is house that doesn't mean the houses are girls, right? So the word for Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a female. And so that's, I think, some confusion gets brought in. Brought in. But there are some really beautiful metaphors in Scripture about God having feminine attributes, like, um, I think it was Jesus referred to himself as a mother hen, and there's things like this. But people will exploit those to say that we can relate with God as a female. And I would just say, uh, I don't think that's biblical, because the biblical way that God wants us to relate with him is is mainly with male pronouns, uh, metaphors like father, son. And so um, I'm not sure how the trans community is using that, but uh, that's definitely been around in progressive Christianity for quite a while. So again, go back in the podcast and uh, archives and look that up. That's with uh, Clark Bates there. Uh, Okay, Love Boldly 316. Do you recommend us mamas go watch this uh, to do our own monologue like this? You know, I I would say... I mean, I'm conflicted. I think that's up to you. I think it's up to you if you want to support the movie. You know, I always have that conflict. Like, I don't want to go pay for it and support it. But at the same time, if you think you have a sphere of influence that you could have some discussions and help people see clearly, I say go for it. Again, I wouldn't bring your young kids... I would, if you know, if you decide to let your teenagers see it, I would let that be wrapped in a lot of discussion and maybe wait till it comes out for rent so you can pause and have discussions. But our kids are going to need to be prepared to engage with some of this stuff because I, I've just seen it happen where if we ignore something and don't let our kids see it ever, they're going to end up seeing it at some point. And if I can shepherd that process, I will. Now, my 14-year-old has not seen it, but I probably would watch it with her when it comes out to rent and pause it and discuss. But also it depends on the kid. She's very interested in these topics. She's interested in engaging them from a biblical worldview. So, you know, your child might be, coming if your child is falling for some of this stuff if they're tempted by some of this stuff again you have to take all of that into consideration and make your own choice but pray about it and um, you know see see what you what you think and and what the Lord is leading you to do all right I'm going to see if there's any other questions if you do have a question put it in the question box it's easier for me to find that way uh yeah Lynette Gibney says Romans says that all creation groans. Sin has infiltrated all aspects of creation. Isn't that true? Okay. Uh, Aqua Camera 95 says, is it biblical to view the fall as also affecting the entire creation or is it only us humans? It's actually all creation uh, because God cursed the ground uh, and it would be hard to toil for the man. So all of creation groans because all of creation is under that curse, and that's uh, that, That's what I believe the Bible is, is teaching there. Uh, okay, Miller's Love Maui says, was there a scene about some of the male folks being gay or making comments about that? There was a very quick scene when Barbie and Ken go into the real world, and Barbie is getting ogled by all these men. And then Ken realizes, oh, I'm getting ogled by the men, too. And these gay guys walk by and kind of, oh, you know, but it was really quick. And that was really all uh, of that. I really honestly expected a lot more than that. But um, Powell, Andrea, 6061 says, my 15-year-old son came out out of it furious and calling it satanic. He said he cried at the end of the treatment of the men. That touches my heart. And I'm so thrilled to hear that he got it. Because here's the thing, and I got a little emotional reading that, because this movie attacks men. Now think about this. Our culture has already made white men, white cisgender, you know, cis men, the enemy of everything. I have an almost 12-year-old son, and this is what he's being told he is, that he's nothing but an oppressor, that he's what's wrong with everything in the world. and. God bless your 15 year old son. And I'm, you know, I'm glad it lit a fire and let's all be praying for our kids that they will see the evil and the disgusting, horrible attack on the beauty of men and women that we see in the Barbie movie. Um, I mean, I'm sad that he, you know, experienced that, but I'm, but I'm sort of thrilled to hear that he got the disgustingness of the message. Right. Um, Okay, this is an interesting comment. Super C Uber says, "I felt like Ken was the most sympathetic character of the movie. I might actually agree with you on that. Uh, It made me feel like God. Yeah, because Ken is just lost. He's lost through the whole movie. He just can't find his place. He can't figure out where he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to be doing. His instinct is he wants to marry Barbie, but he doesn't even know what that means. He goes in the real world, patriarchy thing. You know the." The way they've portrayed patriarchy seems to be the answer, and he tries to do it, but he does maintain this vulnerability the whole time. I think I agree with you on that. He's just lost through the whole movie, and they leave him lost. I mean, at the end, he kind of, they sing this song, but it doesn't give a good answer. It's just sort of like, he still's lost. Um, And you said, it made me feel like God made Ken to be a leader, but he failed because of the curse of Adam. It's just all very Genesis 3. I agree. Um, I totally agree with that. Uh, Real Ben Hunter says, Alan was most likely the gay friend women like to hang around. I wondered that, too. They didn't say that overtly, but that was sort of, uh, you know, that was it. Okay, uh, let me see if there's any other questions. There's a couple more in the... Okay, Love Boldly 316. Do you think the timing of this Barbie movie was purposed to get eyes off Sound of Freedom? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they could have foreseen Sound of Freedom. I don't think that, I mean, I haven't seen Sound of Freedom, so I can't comment on that movie, but I don't know that Hollywood would have been that aware of how popular that movie would be. So I doubt now, you know, there's always the possibility of a demonic thing going on that people are unaware of. So, but I I don't know. I I think that would be kind of a long shot for that to be uh, possible. Um, Okay. Looking for more questions here. Oh, uh, someone's asking a bit unrelated, but have you seen Sound of Freedom yet? I have not seen Sound of Freedom yet. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to see it just because I've uh, my friend Krista Bontrager has written a very interesting article about potential things that go beyond creative license that might even funnel money into something that isn't really doing what they say they're doing. I don't know if that's the case. I just haven't investigated it enough. Um, but I haven't seen the movie yet. I probably will. And I'm happy to give my thoughts when I do. Um, uh, Shelley Jean, wasn't there a trans actor in the movie? How did that play out? I wondered that too. I, I I couldn't tell, honestly, if there was. There was one that I wondered about because it was a Barbie that had a lower voice and maybe a little bit more masculine features. So I wondered, I, I surely there would have to be, right? Um there would have to be for Hollywood to make a Hollywood movie. Aquacamera95 says that would be cool if a Christian movie studio made a Barbie version where Jesus comes and saves them. (laughs) Yes, and recapture the beauty of the family where Barbie realizes walking around in heels all day and trying to stave off cellulite and being all fake and plastic isn't the answer, but actually being a part of a family and sustaining society that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Don't know if it'll happen. Well, Christian, Christian movies are, they're stepping up. So maybe. Okay. It is like brainwashing. Love Boldly 316 says, we need godly men. Amen, Rachel Johnson. Um, Nat Smith 28 says to Melanie, yes, I agree. So many of my mom friends are blindly Taking their young girls, boy, yeah. And and here's the thing, too, just the consumerism. They take a swipe at capitalism. They talk about consumerism being this horrible thing. And yet, I mean, there is so much merch for this thing. I mean, you go to the theater and there's the big Barbie box you can stand in. Oh, my gosh, it's so hypocritical. Okay, Ashley says it affirms the concerns I had about this movie. Oh, thank- I'm so glad to hear that, Ashley. Okay, um, very good. I guess that's it for today. Thank you so much for watching. Wanna let you know that I am going to publish the audio of this live stream to my audio podcast, but it will also be archived here on Instagram. If you want to rewatch it or recommend it to somebody, you can send them the link here or uh, next week on Sunday, this coming Sunday, this will be published to the audio platform. So be sure and keep your eyes out for that. If you think this is helpful and you want to share it with anyone, I would uh, so appreciate that. And thanks for watching, guys. And I will catch up with you next time. All right. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that Barbie review. And now is my top 10 worldview resources for kids. One of the most common questions I receive through my website comes from Christian parents who want to know how they can equip their kids to build a biblical foundation and have a Christian worldview in a culture that has become totally chaotic morally and spiritually and politically and in every way. Christian parents want to know how can we best disciple our kids to love Jesus and walk with him all the days of their lives. And so today I'm going to share with you my top 10 worldview resources for kids. Now, this video is going to be the first in a series where I plan on making subsequent videos, giving you my top resources for teens and my top worldview resources for adults. Now, listen, there are so many great apologetics and worldview resources out there for kids. I'm sure I'm not going to hit them all in this video, but what I want to share with you today are the top 10 resources we've used in our home personally that we have seen a lot of good fruit from, resources that have been invaluable to us on our journey as we disciple our kids as they form their worldview. So the order in which I'm going to share the resources today is not necessarily necessarily in order of my favorite to least favorite. The order is going to be according to age. So this video is going to span from about kindergarten until about sixth grade. And I'll share which age group I think each resource is great for. So number one, is Foundation Worldview Curriculum. This is a curriculum we used in our homeschool last year, and it is so phenomenal. This is going to be a longer commitment, so this is going to span several months. There are several different lessons to choose from, but if you go through the Foundation Worldview Curriculum, you're going to help your child learn what is truth. You're going to help them to build the case for Christianity. How do we know that Christianity is true? What sets Christianity apart from other worldviews? In fact, you'll learn about other religions and other worldviews in the Foundation Worldview Curriculum. Wonderful curriculum. Definitely check that out. My second worldview resource for kids is the Young Defender series by Melissa Kane Travis. This is a wonderful picture book series where you can walk kids anywhere from maybe first or second grade through maybe third, fourth grade, somewhere in there. And in this series, she walks through arguments for the existence of God. She talks about intelligent design, creation, evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. The first book in the series is called How Do We Know God is Really There? The artwork is beautiful. The writing is beautiful. So that's the Young Defender series by Melissa Kane Travis. My third worldview resource for kids is Picture Book Apologetics with James and Ruth. Now, this age group is going to be similar to the Young Defender series, anywhere from kindergarten through third, fourth grade. And my favorite book in this series is called Fox and the Very Hard Day. In that book, it really talks through the problem of evil. And one thing I've experienced with my kids who are in the Gen Z generation is kids are really thinking through, why does God allow suffering? Is God still good if he lets us go through suffering and trials? And why does he let evil happen in the world if he's good? And Fox in the Very Hard Day does a beautiful job of helping your kid think through that topic. So again, that's Picture Book Apologetics with James and Ruth. My fourth worldview resource for kids is the Fat Cat book series by Lexham Press. This is so beautiful. This is such a treasure. So basically uh, the artwork is just beautiful. I mean I want to show you some of these these uh, pages, just gorgeous pages. this love that. love the, um, the artwork. So it basically walks your kid through the Apostles Creed. Now, there are other books in this series. There's the uh, Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer. And the reason it's called the Fat Cat series is because it's based on the word catechism, which is teaching us. Uh, you know, the central texts of our faith and helping kids process these catechisms. So Fat Cat walks through the Apostles' Creed and the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. So that's, again, the Apostles' Creed, the Fat Cat series, art by Natasha Kennedy, and the Apostles' Creed one is by Ben Myers, although there's other authors on the other books. So wonderful resource there. Number five, this one is so special. I am, first of all, I want to thank, Um, the person who sent this to me, I did not know this book existed at all. So I want to thank Kayla Howard for sending this to me. This is such a treasure. We are living in a culture that is totally confused about gender. And if you're looking for a way to introduce your kids to a biblical view of gender, look no further than a dog is a dog. This is by Kimberly Sutherland, written and designed. This book is beautiful. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous. And one of the things I really appreciate about this book is that she addresses the fact that not every girl likes to wear her hair curly or or sing and do things that would necessarily be associated with girly things, but that doesn't mean they're not a girl. And maybe there's a boy who likes to bake or, or something that might traditionally be assigned to a girl, but that doesn't mean that he's not a boy. And so it celebrates the gender difference, celebrates boys, celebrates girls. I want to show you this page. I love this page. It says, boys are good and grow into men. Shout it out and say it again. So, And then on the next page, girls are special. They're very special. So it lets your kids know that exactly how God created them is beautiful, and that's how they should be. So that's, again, A Dog is a Dog, and that's by Kimberly Sutherland. My next top worldview resource for kids is Theology, and this is by Marty Machowski. This is a beautiful book. It's a little bit on the thick side, so you can just read a little bit every day, but it basically walks your kids through basic theology and explains it to them. So it talks about the Trinity. It talks about um, God's omniscience and omnipresence, but it says it in very easy-to-understand language. Again, it's got beautiful artwork, and so this is just a great book. Theology, theology Ancient Truths Ever New by Marty Machowski. Wonderful book. All right, number seven in my worldview resources for kids is this, okay, I gotta, I gotta share kind of why I'm holding this up. There is no substitute for the Bible. All right. The Bible is the best resource. I think there's nothing better than reading through an actual translation of the Bible for your kids. And people ask me a lot, what's the best Bible for kids? And my answer to that is the Bible. Maybe get a New Living Translation or one that's easy to understand, but nothing replaces the Bible. But with that said, I don't think there's anything wrong with picture books that kind of help kids absorb the overarching narrative of Scripture. And one that I love is the Action Bible. As you can see, this is well-worn, well-beloved in our home. This is a beautiful resource. It's written well. And here's what I like about it. First of all, look at these these, uh, artwork and the graphics are just incredible. And what I love about this book is every story that I've read It really stays true to the heart of the biblical story that it's conveying, and it doesn't sanitize it and it kind of keeps the main point, the main point. And I think this is a great way to introduce your kids to the overall storyline of Scripture. Again, it's not a replacement for the Bible, but I think that this uh, is a phenomenal resource, especially if your kid's into graphic novels like mine are. Um, it's really, really, really well done. So that is the Action Bible, God's redemptive story. All right, my next and eighth uh resource for kids in Christian worldview, interestingly, is not primarily a Christian resource this is called the thinking toolbox and then there's also one called the fallacy detective that's in this series now I said it's not a Christian resource but that's because the Christian worldview depends upon us being able to think things through according to what is truth and what how does logic work so these resources are going to help your kids think well how do we argue our position well how do we recognize logical fallacies uh, errors in logic that that are going to be so helpful as they they live in this chaotic culture that has basically shunned logic. So even though this isn't a Christian uh you know, resource per se. I think this is invaluable for kids to go through. And I would say you can start going through this with your kids maybe uh, once they can read fairly well, maybe fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in there. So again, that's the Thinking Toolbox and Fallacy Detective. My ninth worldview resource for kids is Cold Case Christianity for Kids, it is so wonderful. Now I've put this one number nine because it says "Cold Case Christianity for Kids," but I think it's really for more older kids that are heading into maybe that middle school, uh, that middle school time. So there's going to be some overlap on this one this is going to be kind of the the high end of this group and maybe heading into the teens so that's cold case christianity for kids you read through it and it's kind of like reading a story but also you get to be a part of the story or your kid gets to be a part of the story as they solve um as they as they solve a case and essentially what they're going to learn as they read through the book is solving the case for christianity christianity as a cold case like is it true can we prove that it's true and so that's a great resource for kids and this brings me to my 10th and final worldview resource for kids. This one may surprise you, but my my best and most important and 10th worldview resource for your kids is you. Nothing can replace you equipping yourself to disciple your kids, to be able to have these conversations with your kids, to equip yourself to interact and engage with the spiritual questions that your kids have. You can read them a book, you can give them a resource, but you are going to be the best resource they have. And I think the best way to do that, you don't have to be a scholar, you don't have to be a theologian, you just have to be curious enough to chase down the questions your kids have and go on a journey together. If your kid has a question that you haven't thought through before and you don't know the answer to, what a great opportunity to first model humility and say, gosh, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to find out and we're going to discuss this and learn about it together. And also living out the genuine Christian faith in front of your kids is the best resource that you can do. Show them what it looks like to repent when you've sinned against them. Show them what it looks like to be in a family that puts Jesus first every single day, that engages with the Bible every day, that prays together, that loves other people and fulfills the great commission to make disciples. And you, Christian parents, can do that right in your own home with your kids. So you are the best resource. And if you want help equipping yourself to be able to engage with some of those questions, be sure and subscribe, because in a subsequent video, I'm going to be giving my top worldview resources for adults. And that's where you will equip yourself to be able to have these conversations with your kids. Well, thanks so much for listening today. I always want to mention Southern Evangelical Seminary, who is a sponsor of our podcast. I'm currently a student. Very excited to start my classes in August. If you want to learn more about SES, go to ses.edu slash Alisa. You can download a free ebook there. And as we pursue Christ, let's always remember to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time.